brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. What's up, freaks? This is the Bitcoin Sign Guy. And this is Gary Leland, and you're listening to episode 103 of the Crypto Cousins Podcast. Feed your interest in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies by joining Hall of Fame podcaster Gary Leland on the Crypto Cousins Podcast. And remember, we are all cousins in the world of crypto. This week's price of Bitcoin. $9,711. That's down $2,846, or 22.8% over the last seven days. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome to the show, BSG. I've been trying to get you on here for a while. Thanks for taking the time. Ahoy. How's it going, Gary? It's going great, actually. Someone asked me that yesterday, I think, or last night. And I told him at the age of 64, my life is going better than it's ever gone in my entire life. It's just a shame I'm 64. <laughs> well, that's excellent. Keep it monotonic. Monotonic. I like that word there. Yeah. So <laughs> life been treating you pretty good, dude? Very well. Uh, you're probably uh, running around with your hair on fire or not these days. Uh, how's the conference coming together? Oh, it's coming great. I am running around like my hair is on fire. Um, I'm doing this. And then after this, I'm with... Uh, you know, Pierre and Michael on uh, their podcast. I was on one this morning. Um, I am just so not only doing mine, but keeping up with other ones. And I've taken on too many side projects, but I've got uh, my regular employees here at my office are all having to work on Bitbox Boom now. Uh, well, I saw you got some great uh, cypherpunk swag from Rodolfo Novak. Yes, I did, and there's still more coming. He has been very, uh, he's been very nice to the, uh, to the conference. Hey, I want to get into that stuff later. I want to start out, well, first of all, give us like a 30-second bio on yourself, what you can say. Sure. So I'm from, I'm from Connecticut. I was all prepared for a career in finance. Not all prepared. I mean, I'm, I was just a kid sort of going through college, but I had a number of financial internships through a global macro hedge fund, a foreign trading desk, currency trading desk, when I was studying abroad. And then uh, it was through those experiences that I discovered perhaps there were some gaps in the monetary paradigm uh, in the worldview of central bankers. So I decided to investigate uh, things a little further uh, with specific regard to Bitcoin as an alternative to that worldview uh, at a free market think tank in Washington, D.C. And when I was there, as a course of just my work, I was sent to cover one of the 
congressional testimonies of the Federal Reserve Officer Janet Yellen. And I had previously covered this testimony uh, as a matter of duty at my previous employment. So I, I knew that the camera would be on and that people that I used to work with would be watching. But that's sort of how I got from uh, just being a passerby of Bitcoin to uh, sort of catapulted me to the to the center of everything. Yes, it definitely catapulted you in the center. There's a couple of things there that you mentioned that's, that are going to be questions about. Number one, this has nothing to do with Bitcoin necessarily, but I've always wondered, how does a think tank work? I mean, is it just a bunch of smart guys and y'all get together and sit around right. a round table and say, hey, what do you think about this? Ah, da, da, da. You say, okay, sure. So how, how does that work? Well, I guess to preface, you should say that a think tank believes in traditional politics. So uh, it believes in the importance of voice and you know, winning the day with sound policy proposals and then strategizing that in the context of, say, demographics, what lawmakers uh, want to bring to their constituents, and then also within a certain political mindset. So the one that I worked at was explicitly libertarian, in favor of free markets, constitutional rights, non-interventionist foreign policy, the list goes on. So they have donors that, that would like to see their political worldview affected in policy. So they publish reports on certain areas of policy. So my focus was monetary policy. And they're not exactly the same as lobbyists. They're more the people that create resources that lobbyists can deploy, if okay. you will. So uh, they have, I guess, a, a normative view on what a, a given policy area should look like. So, for example, the, the monetary scholars that I worked with believe that the Federal Reserve should be governed by a more rules-based monetary policy, a more directly algorithmic setting of the Taylor rule for interest rate targeting as opposed to you know discretionary uh, monetary policy as we have now. So that's just an example. But it's it's small incremental they, they desire small incremental changes really on the margin. Uh, it's it's incrementalist and not revolutionary, if you will. Well I've heard that term my whole life. And <laughs> I've always just kind of envisioned all these guys go in this room and sit around this table and start thinking about something and pull out books and research it and try to come up with some answers. But it sounds like, like I said, they're creating content or one part of it is, is creating information and content or tools for the lobbyists to use that affect a certain, a certain thing. Right. And it's not even that the lobbyists just take what they produce and bring it to Congress. You know, there's, for for every law that actually gets passed in the United States, you know, there's 10 times or greater the amount of just administrative rulemaking that gets done. And so this is, you know, far down the line in the committees and subcommittees and administrations. And so when these rulemaking sessions happen, there are comment periods where anyone can submit what they think about, say, a proposed rule that might exist. So think tank scholars, you know, they contribute open letters into these comments, things like that. 
they're really just to, to couch uh, potential policies in terms of existing theory. So while working for the think tank, you were sent to a congressional committee meeting about the Federal Reserve. Uh, no, by, so it's, it was testimony by the president, by the chair, chairwoman of the, of the Federal Reserve okay. to the House Financial Services Committee. Okay. And for those who don't know, during this committee meeting, BSG here held up a sign that said, buy Bitcoin behind Janet Yellen. And this was back in July uh 2017 and we're going to talk about that because i just find this story not only hilarious i really think this did a lot for bitcoin i mean i really did but when you went to this meeting did you like do anything special to get that seat because you were sitting like in the primo spot to do this yeah no that was just a i guess luck of the draw uh it's a public hearing so anyone can go it was not premeditated i just had a decent seat. Because <laughs> you were sitting right over, I mean, you were right over Janet Yellen's right-hand shoulder. I mean, right there. Yeah. I mean, well, seated two seats to my right was just a, a homeless guy who was <laughs> rambling about the Federal Reserve and this and that. Uh, so it, it really is open to the public. Anyone can get that seat next time. Well, that was a very good seat. And then Though I did notice that at the next Humphrey Hawkins testimony, which is actually the title of that testimony, at the one the following year for Jay Powell, they had a more extreme camera angle that actually occluded the seat behind him, which is sort of funny. That is kind of funny. I wonder if there was anything for to do with you. Yeah, huh? we can wonder. <laughs> yeah, we can always wonder. Okay, now, was when you went to this meeting, were you already pretty much a Bitcoiner? Uh, yeah, I, I was... I mean, obviously, I would think you were since you held a sign, but were you like, did you just know about it or were you really into it? No, I, I was into it. And that was really the motivation for me to go work at the think tank in the first place. You know, a place to study the policy as related to the forefront of monetary policy. Even though what the think tank opined upon on a daily basis was far from what Bitcoiners litigate on Twitter, they still they still have the most forward thoughts in in term in institutional settings about about cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. Well now you're sitting there, you have a notepad. This is just a manila pad. A line pad like we, anyone would take notes on. And it's obvious. Legal pad. Yeah, I've heard you speak like on pop shows, so I know you didn't uh, make this up ahead of time. But it was pretty obvious you didn't make this up ahead of time. I mean, from the sign, it looks like you just got your pen and started scratching mm -hmm. out buy Bitcoin on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess that's just the uh, it's just the mimetic propagation of Bitcoin. It replicates itself. It doesn't really <laughs> uh, doesn't take. It never took a committee, you know, years and years to plan and plot every moment when Bitcoin enters the discourse. It just inserts itself from the outside. It's like, okay, so you scribbled, scribbled by Bitcoin on the sign. And it really looked good. I mean, for being scribbling, you must have some artistic ability. Um, I did, in fact, study art at school. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I could tell. I mean, it was all evenly spaced. I mean, not that the... 
the lettering was a work of art, but it was evenly spaced. It was, you know, a lot of people run out of room at the end when they're writing something big like that. And the last letters get smaller and smaller, you know, thinner and thinner. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> and and yours, is all, yours were all evenly proportioned. Did you get that on one try or did you have to start over? I, I'll be honest. It was, it was a, a one-shot deal. Because <laughs> you might have run out of letters. And you might have done it two or three times. So I'm giving you credit. I thought I should double-check there. And, no, then, yeah. and then you Thank hold you. it up during the committee. Right. I mean, I'm telling you, you're in the perfect spot right over your right-hand shoulder. And did you know the firestorm was going to break out? None. In fact, I, I, had, I had no idea. Really, I thought that I would just collect the picture after the fact. And Oh, that you'd get it off the can off of somewhere. Off the, yeah, I'd get it somewhere. off the live stream. I'd take a screenshot. I'd show my dad, who also works on Wall Street, and that he'd get a kick out of it, but it would, it would go no further. What'd your dad think of it? Oh man, I mean, he was embarrassed at first. <laughs> I mean, he, he, I've uh, I've been slowly warming him up on Bitcoin, but he represents, you know, the conservative mindset of financial services that really does not favor, you know, drastic changes, and that really respects the the technocratic angle of the Federal Reserve and the the way that they conduct monetary policy. So. You know, as far as he was concerned, uh, you know, mocking the Fed or any type of signal of being outside of their, you know, worldview was equivalent to suicide in terms of uh, your career. But I think that Bitcoin has uh, exploded the conversation so far that, you know, that that wasn't the case. So it's actually going to be one of those things that when time goes by, your dad's going to go, gosh, you were right. <laughs> we should all buy Bitcoin. Yeah, well, you know, there have been, been a lot of martyrs on the, on the way toward right. hyper-Bitcoinization. You know, you have like the Liberty Reserve, for example, great example of people that, that had the same intuition that monetary policy was crooked, but, you know, they got nailed. Uh, and you know, got into hot water, didn't have quite the right mix of decentralization to permit their pro their project to succeed, like Bitcoin. Um, yeah, and since Bitcoin is so decentralized, what are you going to do? I mean, how are you going to stop it? Who are you going to call? <laughs> I mean, you know, nobody. Hey, when you uh, held up your sign. I mean, you, it's not like you held it up forever, but after a few minutes, someone came and got you, right? Yeah, that's the case. <laughs> and so tell me about that. Uh, well, that's just the, the parliamentarian. Um, so you can't hold up signs or was it because was it you can't hold up signs or because it was a Bitcoin sign? What do you think? I think both. <laughs> you, you can't hold up signs, but uh, this sign sort of became viral on Twitter. I didn't really know about it. As a matter of fact, my phone had been dead because uh, we were waiting in line for so long to get into the hearing. I used up all my juice. Um, so it wasn't really until I got back to my office that I figured out that, <laughs> you know, anything really came of it. And how was that? What was that like when you came in? So you're just coming in going, oh, OK, I got asked to leave the meeting. Here I'm uh, yeah. back at work. Well, not thinking anything I mean, exciting, but it had blown up, like you said, and gone viral. So. Tell me about that experience. What was that like? It was a little disconcerting. I definitely got more attention than I bargained for. But to the extent that 
I later, you know, met Bitcoiners through the sign. I later that evening I met Niraj Agrawal for the first time. And he's sort of the Bitcoin meme MC, if you will. And so that he made me feel better about things. You quickly became well overnight an overnight celebrity in the Bitcoin world, I would say. Thank you. <laughs> I mean Thank you. I don't think there's anyone who's a real uh, strong Bitcoinist that doesn't know the story and you know, they may not know you because you're not really out there promoting yourself by your name and face. But once they hear he's your Bitcoin sign guy, they probably go, oh, wow, Bitcoin sign guy. They know who Bitcoin sign guy is. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun to meet Bitcoiners this way. Well, I'm sure you're like me and every other Bitcoiner out there. You're stacking sats as much as you can. Oh, yeah. Thank you to Marty and Matt for that meme. I, I agree. When I had Matt on, I had to make sure I said, as far as I can tell, you're the one who started this. Am I correct? And we're going to we're gonna attribute it to him. Yeah, I'm attributing. He, and he even said, someone else may have said it. I never heard him say it. So, I mean, because he didn't want to take credit for it in case someone else had. But Yeah, sure not. Nah. Let's let's uh, officially give it to him right here, right uh, now. I agree. You can't go wrong doing that. You can't go wrong doing that. It's amazing how fast that one has spread because now you have uh, Casa coming out with the Sats app. And they have Stacking Sat Saturday. We also have a new holiday. Every Tuesday, it's Bitcoin Tuesday. So that's just a day of the week where we can all be hype about Bitcoin on Twitter. Well, I thought every day was Bitcoin Day. <laughs> well, yeah, but but you know, Bitcoin Tuesday, it's a it's a day where you can go a little overboard. Okay, but, but that's, some people that's kind of hard to do. <laughs> that's all they do <laughs> is post Bitcoin as it is. I guess instead of them posting fifty times about it, they post sixty. Yeah, Nick Carter especially. You know, it's amazing. I never used Twitter. I I got on Twitter in like two thousand four. I mean, a long time ago, but I never used it. I just got my name, and then now that's all I'm on is Twitter. I mean, I don't even go to any anything else. I mean, I have 10 times the amount of follows on Facebook, but I don't even go to Facebook anymore. Yeah, Facebook is sort of fallow ground for, yeah. in terms of content. Yeah, I don't even, like I said, I don't even go there anymore. And gosh, it took me years to develop that much, uh, the people that I have there. I think in my groups, I have well over a million people and I don't even go. I mean, I've just kind of abandoned it for, uh, right, big, yeah. for Bitcoin. It, it will be interesting to see what type of traction they get with uh, Libra and Calibra since, as far as I can tell, nobody my age really touches that site anymore. Everyone's on Twitter or, I guess, Instagram. I don't right. use Instagram or Snapchat, but I think that those are the other ones where people hang out. I would have to agree with you. And uh, yeah, I'm also wondering, as I'm just seeing a lot of things about with Libra that uh, countries are saying no or telling them they got to put it on hold or they said they weren't going into India yeah, I mean, that's, I think, what they probably bargained for. But to the to the investor on the sideline, you know, that just spells out the value of Bitcoin and the importance of permissionless protocols. Well, anyone talking about cryptocurrency is good news for Bitcoin. You know what I told, I don't know, I mentioned this on a show earlier in case someone has heard this a second time, but I haven't told you. I went to my dentist maybe two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, to get my teeth cleaned, and the lady who cleans my teeth goes, Gary? Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. 
Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I know you're all into Bitcoin and stuff, right? I said, yeah. She goes, can you tell me about this Facebook coin? <laughs> I'm like, really? Why are you asking me this? Because it was the last thing I would have expected her to ask. Right. She goes, well, I've been seeing it on the news and stuff, so I figured I better start finding out. <laughs> and I knew you would know the question. So I, I thought that was funny that she's had no interest ever in crypto, ever. And now she's asking me what it is. Well, yeah, I guess, you know, Facebook is the household name. But there's that, you know, the critical number of times that someone needs to see, you know, a word or a, a, a marketed product before they start to engage more seriously with it. So Facebook will bring us closer to that critical number for most uh, uninitiated people, for future Bitcoiners, we'll call them. Yeah, yeah. Everyone will probably be a future Bitcoiner, though, so we can probably call everybody at some point in time will probably have to get into Bitcoin. Hey, you made a statement. I was listening to you, I think, on Pomp's show. Mm -hmm. I kind of like do my research before I get someone on here. I listen to the podcast while I'm driving and get information. Wow. Well, uh, thank you for listening to that. It was uh, a good episode. You uh, mentioned on that show that you had maybe done a Bitcoin QR code after the incident happened, that people oh, told you to do that because other people might try to make money off of your image. Thinking, making like they were you. I'm trying to make sure I explain this right, because I don't think this was your thought going, oh, I can cash in on this. But all of a sudden you realized that if you didn't do it yourself, oh, yeah. someone else would be cashing in on, on it and making like they were you. Well, as, as I can't say it any better than Michael Goldstein or Bitstein on Twitter. You know, everyone's a scammer. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's got a stack sats somehow. Well, speaking of that, that was Michael's talk last year at Bitblock Boom. Yeah, it was it was a great talk. It I'm was a looking great forward talk. to his talk this this upcoming year. Yes, and he's got another great talk this year. I just added the title of it, and I can't remember. But for those who may not be aware, which if you listen to this podcast at all, you got to be aware. But in case you're a first timer, I want to make sure everybody knows about Bitblock Boom. This is um, this is where I met you at last year. Mm -hmm. um, was it Bitblock Boom? It's a conference that uh, I run on with the help of Michael and Pierre Richard and Michael Goldstein. And a bunch of people helped me out. Um, it's in Dallas, uh, August 17th and 18th, and it's a, a real Bitcoin conference. And, and I say that because that's all we talk about is Bitcoin. Right. You know, we don't talk about alts or shitcoins or anything, just Bitcoin. And, you know, you know, I went to a conference earlier this year that was a Bitcoin conference and not even one speaker spoke about Bitcoin. Not even one. So really? ours, that's all you can talk about. You can't even, you can't. Yeah, you can't even have a table as a vendor unless you're a Bitcoin vendor. I mean, right. I'm pretty serious. And that makes it really hard to do this conference. I mean, I'm like really limited on my vendors, you know, because I have to like knock out three quarters of them because they want to vend or talk about something else. But for those listening, go to bitblockboom.com uh, and look at our great lineup of speakers. And if you use the code COUSINS, C-O-U-S-I-N-S, at checkout, you'll get 30% off the price of your tickets. So go check it out today. It's a great event, and there are a lot of events going on around it. Like, well, I think I actually met you at the dinner that was yeah. last year on Friday night and is this year on Friday night. Yeah, so yeah. sure. I'll show, I'll show that people come to the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute dinner yeah. last year. Great fun. Great fun. Uh, good, good cause. Michael Goldstein has been dutifully 
uh, curating all of the seminal statements of Satoshi and uh, you know other other seminal papers by early Bitcoiners. And so we will uh, we'll support him there. I, I think it's the night of the 16th. That's correct. On the eve of the conference. That's a great way to roll in the conference because everybody's oh, yeah. all wiped out. From that. Yeah, exactly. you know, last year, I had to leave at 10. That wine never quit pouring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I had to leave at 10 because I drove. I made a mistake and drove. And I said, I got to leave now if I stay another hour or two. That was Defense Distributed. They, they I remember they sponsored the wine and it was uh, not in short supply. And that was not a cheap restaurant. So no, that was not $5 a bottle of wine. It was quite nice. It was I think very this nice. year... This year we're doing barbecue. I think I think that they might have decided to go back to steak. Oh, really? I'm not sure. I I don't know why I felt like I heard that. I felt like I heard that at Bitcoin 2019 we had a uh, carnivore dinner on a rooftop up there the night before that event. And I could have sworn someone told me that, but don't hold me to that. But wherever it's at, it's going to be good. I'm going to ask you another question about. Well, I guess it's not another question. I didn't ask you the first one, but. Members of Congress, you know, that are in the finance and stuff, do you think they get Bitcoin, what Bitcoin could do to the economy? Well, <laughs> you know, some of them do. There are some, call them monetary nerds in Congress, but many of them really have no clue. I mean, even today in the Libra or in the Libra hearing or something like that, there was a congressman, what was his name? One second, I know it here. David Scott. Democratic representative from Georgia. I mean, he confused Libra with LIBOR, you know, the <laughs> the London interbank offer rate. Right. And so, I mean, <laughs> if, if he can't even keep that clear in his mind, he doesn't even have the, uh, the experts on his staff. When he's on the House Financial Services Committee, he doesn't even have the people on his staff to explain that through to him. I don't think there's really a any chance that he could have a, a very developed view on Bitcoin or the economics of sound money, et cetera. So most of these Congress people, they, they really want one thing, which is just to uh, make sure that hard economic times don't fall on their constituents. And so for most, that means that they're just perma-doves. Uh, they always want to cajole the Federal Reserve into keeping rates lower for longer and running the economy hot. Ironically, these are the same people that get angry over bailouts, but they they do not know what they do. So as a whole, you really don't think they know what's going on? Just an opinion. Not but most, most don't. I mean, even, even sophisticated uh, policy analysts, you know, don't fully get Bitcoin. So the the place I was at, they were certainly forward thinking on monetary policy, but even they aren't, say, dyed in the cloth Bitcoin maximalists. So it, it, it really takes a while and a lot of study to, uh, to sort of come around to the, the worldview that we share. Next question is, what is, in your definition, a crypto anarchist? Because I think when most people think of an anarchist, they think of someone running around with a mask on trying to burn down everything. Right. Well, uh, yeah, the contrast here is uh, made by Ernst Jünger that uh, an anarchist is 
the opposite of an anarch. An anarch is someone who's willing to build and be constructive to the end of self-sovereignty, whereas an anarchist is simply, it's only the destructive end. It's only, they only can see what they want to tear down. And so it's a, a more nihilistic position. So I, I see Bitcoin as being entirely constructive. As the saying goes, cypherpunks write code. So Bitcoin is something that has been built and it has taken you know, incredible amounts of effort from people in many capacities to, to bring it to where it is today. So it's about building something that is self-sovereign and not uh, being willing to step up to the plate of self-sustainability, self-reliance, self-ownership. So a crypto anarchist is not trying to tear everything down. Maybe the term should be crypto anarch. <laughs> crypto anarch. But, yeah, that's what I was getting at. I think that's the wrong word. Yeah, maybe. I mean, anarchist, it's sort of a, it's to paint with a broad brush and it's, it's the term that's been used. But, you know, once you're, once you're splitting hairs about, you know, anarch versus anarchist, I think it's, maybe that's, that's easier. It's like, these terms are very easily perverted and misconstrued, like, for example, liberalism hardly means what it used to. <laughs> right, right, right. Hey, what about Bitcoin coming up? Is there anything that you're looking at that's um, coming to shape or coming up or being built right now for Bitcoin that you've seen that you're kind of excited about? Sure. Well, I, I'm sort of far from uh, technically fluent with Bitcoin, but there's certainly a lot. Uh, you have the the upper layers of Bitcoin, like the Lightning Network, uh, you have federated side chains uh, like Elements from Blockstream, RSK, and then you also have just basic, you know, pre-existing Bitcoin features, P2SH, hash time locks, uh, contracts, and atomic swaps. And so you have a lot of tools in your toolkit to develop on Bitcoin. And on the horizon, we have new we have new base layer improvements coming, Schnorr signatures, Taproot, Mast. So Miniscript from Andrew Polstra, which as I understand is sort of like solidity for Bitcoin. So we have a lot of things to be excited about. And so now it's a question of as enterprises, as more businesses get built within the Bitcoin space, seeing which of these technologies they'll designate to you know use as the backbone for their products so for example casa you know with the sats app they're doing the lightning network which i think is one of the more obvious and i don't know straightforward ways of doing it for large companies for enterprises maybe side chains are the way to go but i really can't say it's uh you know what i think is one of the most exciting things that is happening what's that as you just mentioned it we mentioned it earlier is people are starting to call it sats. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the... And you know why I say that? You don't know why I say that. I don't know why I asked that question. Let me rephrase that. Let me tell you why I say that. How's that sound better? Please do. I think the average person can't work with decimals. I really think they can't. Oh, yeah. You know, Absolutely. When I, when I have kids come in, whether they're in college or high school for part-time summer jobs, I only ask a couple of questions because I can look at them and carry a conversation on with them and tell them if they're halfway educated enough to work for me. They don't have to be real educated. But I want them to know simple math. And so I always ask them, do you know what a third of 100 is? Which I think myself is not that technical of a question if you went to high school and took math. 
Mm -hmm. One out of 30 knows that answer. What? I'm serious. When someone told me that, someone told me they asked that question to all the people they interview. And I said, what? This was 25 years ago. I said, that's crazy talk. And they go, you ask. Because they dared me. go, you ask people when you interview them what a third of 100 is. He goes, I don't care if you're asking them for a job that pays $750 an hour or $30,000, $40,000 a year. You ask them what a third of 100 is. And he's right. The majority of people, and, and their answer is always the same. They'll kind of hee-haw around and go, is it a quarter, 50 cents? And then they'll go, math is not my was not my best subject. And I, I kind of like feel like going, did you take it? I mean, you know. So if they can't do a third of 100, this is my, this is my thinking, how are they going to know what .001248 is? They don't even know. They don't even know what that is when they see it written down. They're going, I don't even know what that number is. Well, I, I think the, the thing to keep in mind about the Bitcoin numeraire is that it it can't be designated, so it's uh, it's rather converged upon from different sides intersubjectively. So my personal prediction is that we'll converge upon kilo satoshis. So and I heard you mention that. What is a kilo? Because because really on satoshis, if you say something's ten dollars, you're saying it's what sixty thousand satoshis, which sounds like a lot. And it's a difficult number, but it's a heck of a lot better than 0.000125 or whatever. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. To the extent that normal things will be priced, call it a hamburger for 10,000 Satoshis, you could say, uh, you know, hamburger is 10 KSATs. Oh. So, and that is an easier number to digest. Mm hmm. 10 KSATs versus 10,000 Satoshis. Right. Um, but I thought, I think either one of them is an improvement for the average person. Oh, absolutely. Than the point decimals, because like I said, most people can't even do thirds, quarters, or or right. point seven five. Right. So. And uh, yeah, it's yep. Nobody has uh, told us to use satoshis, but we are because that's far more functional. And it's what we want to do. Well, I like the ksats. Yeah, I just hope that people aren't you know disappointed that you know they won't be able to have a whole bitcoin. I mean, too bad. But uh, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> I know. Then. Mentally, everyone is a. Uh, we're gonna have to redefine what a what a millionaire is and what a billionaire is. If the dollar you know gets inflated to nothing, we're gonna be in the uncomfortable situation of having to sort of rejigger all of our mental benchmarks for what constitutes rich. Because I mean, there will be some level of Satoshi that will be considered Jeff Bezos wealth and there on down. But we'll have to find it. Hey, um. Let me ask you a couple of questions here. Sure. So what is your favorite book? I like the Bible, but uh, well, other than that, uh, I, like Mo I, I like Moby Dick. <laughs> well, I've read the Bible more than any book. How about uh, your favorite podcast? Of course, I like Tales from the Crypt and Rabbit Hole Recap with Marty Bent and Matt O'Dell. And they're doing that show live at Bitblock Boom on the stage. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I like uh, Noted with Pierre and Michael Goldstein. I'm on that show tonight. <laughs> I like Pomp. I listened to that today. <laughs> I like Peter McCormick, What Bitcoin Did. Yeah. And I like uh, Stefan Levera. I met dense. him in California for the first time. Yeah, he's excellent. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. Really nice guy. Oh, yeah. And Crypto Voices is also good. I'm not familiar uh, with that. Uh, Crypto Voices, Matt Mazinkins, Men Menzikis. I'm mispronouncing. I'm but, writing uh, that down. I'll subscribe to that. Fernando... 
uh, Fernando Ulrich, I think his name is. Okay. I also like, um, what's the name of Vortex's show? He's good. I like Jimmy Song's output. But Jimmy really, there's there. Jimmy's Jimmy's great. He had a he, I think, has a show with Tone Vase and Leah Wald still. Right. You know, there's there's really just so much content. So many passionate Bitcoiners. There's a lot of content in the world of Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin is a crowded crowded field. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how much just how much there is. Well, I'm going to have to say we're going to have to bring this to an end. But BSG, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed seeing you again in California, and I'll enjoy seeing you at uh, the dinner because that'll be the next time I see you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Gary. It's been a pleasure, man. I hope you enjoyed today's show. A big thank you to all the cousins out there that are showing their support by donating, subscribing, and leaving great reviews on iTunes. All of those things help more than you realize. Now, you can subscribe almost anywhere podcasts are available by going to CryptoCousins.com slash subscribe. Call me with your comments or questions at 747-777-9471. Or you can email me at thecryptocousins at gmail.com. And I'll try to use these on future episodes. Please take a peek at the 4-Minute Crypto Show, which is produced every weekday and located at 4MinuteCrypto.com. It's the place to get your daily dose of crypto news, and as always, four minutes or less. And one last thing, please take a look at my new website, Crypto Crybaby. This website is for the true crypto fan and sells Bitcoin and crypto gear, like t-shirts, caps, and so much more. Take a look at CryptoCrybaby.com today. Thanks again for listening. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to the Crypto Cousins podcast. Please share the show with your friends. They can subscribe by going to CryptoCousins.com slash subscribe. And if you want to know more about Gary, just go to GaryLeland.com. Make sure and join Gary and all the Crypto Cousins every week for a new episode of the Crypto Cousins podcast. The Crypto Cousins podcast and the information included in the podcast are not intended as investment advice. Investing in any cryptocurrency is risky, and you should never invest more than you can afford to lose. Always seek professional advice before investing in any cryptocurrency. Please understand, you are using any and all information from the Crypto Cousins at your own risk. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, any Anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.